Good morning. If you would, grab a Bible. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2 is where we'll be centering our time of study this morning. Colossians chapter 2. Good to see you this morning. We have visitors with us. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you showing interest in spiritual things and pray that the time that we spend together in the Word of God will be profitable to you. Thank you for attending with us. Colossians 2, I want to begin by reading in verse 18. Colossians 2 and verse 18. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. On Wednesday night, we are working through the letter to the Colossians in our Be a Better Bible Student class. And as we are studying through this, we came across this phrase, and it has always stuck out to me. It's a phrase that, to me, has always necessitated further study, and uh, so I did some of that, and uh, I wanted to share some of that with you. When Paul describes the church, he describes it as the body, which is a very common figure he uses to describe the people of God, but there is something unique about this text. He talks about in verse 19 that this body, he says, is nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, joints and ligaments. They are not the most exciting parts of the body, the joints and ligaments, until they get hurt, there's something wrong with them, uh, and then you notice and remember your joints and ligaments. They are the key connections where bones meet, where parts of the body come together and those connections are essential to proper movement and function of the body. Joints and ligaments. And so Paul says, In this text, that joints and ligaments, please hear me, are integral to the growth of the body. And so I want to take some time and analyze that idea. I just want to talk about joints and ligaments. I got that picture of a kind of a weird shoulder there, and you got some joints and ligaments. You got some things working there. Learned some things about ligaments this week. I didn't think any of them were worth sharing, but they were interesting to me. Uh, I was talking to Sarah about them. She didn't think they were interesting either. So that's what you get for being the preacher's wife, I guess. All right, so let's think about joints and ligaments for a few minutes this morning. First of all, I want to examine this passage in its proper broader context, which is the idea that Paul is concerned about some ideas that are being brought in among the Colossians, and he notices those in verse 18. They're threatening to compromise the faith of the Colossians. Verse 18 says, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. So, These are things that he says that the main problem with them is that they don't come from Jesus. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. But he says they're not holding fast to the head in verse 19, which is a reference to Jesus. So he says in verse 18 there, they are puffed up. I'm sorry, insisting on asceticism, which is a kind of rigid self-denial, harsh treatment of the body, thinking that that's what religion is, is me being really severe to myself, and so I'm an ascetic, and in doing so, there are things that may not even be sinful, but I'm going to deny myself or force myself to do because I think that there's more spiritual value in those kinds of rules for myself. He also talks about, in verse 18, worship of angels, which takes that idea of fascination with spiritual things. I don't know how much you're aware of this, but people are fascinated with angels. In fact, I've had that uh, experience as a Bible class teacher. I was 19 years old. And teaching, I believe it was my first Bible class, at least in the congregation where I was. And a lady, as we went through Luke 1, first class, angels appear to Mary and she says to me, what do you think these angels look like? I was 19 years old. 
Not that you learn any more as you get older about what angels look like, right? But we're fascinated with this. So he says, there are people who take that fascination and turn it to worship. And they say, this is their fixation, as if there's a spiritual value in worshiping angels. Now, Scripture teaches us not to worship angels and says that angels are just ministering spirits. We worship God and God alone, but he says that's a way that they're getting off course, worshiping angels, taking those spiritual interests and turning them in a bad way. He also talks about in verse 18, going on in detail about visions. That is that God is speaking through some person and insisting that the things that you've seen are somehow a mark of your spirituality. You need some kind of special revelation from God to have any value in the church. But the main problem, he says in verse 18, is that he is puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. These things come from within people. We are puffed up. We think through them. We make the rules. We make these new interests. And suddenly, we're following away from, we're falling away from Christ and following our own thinking. So, verse 19, he says, not holding fast to the head. That's a reference to Jesus. And I want you to see how that fits in the letter to the Colossians. Because in Colossians, Paul emphasizes that Jesus is the source of every good thing. Turn back to chapter 1 with me. In Colossians 1 and verse 16, it says, Colossians 1, 16, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So he is creator. He is literally the source of all things. He has made them all and put them all where they are. In verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church, He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So he is head of the body, but he is preeminent. He is above all. Verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All of God is in Christ. So everything we need to sustain life as he has created it is found in Christ. Chapter 2 and verse 2, chapter 2 and verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach All the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So think about that. Every wise thing or knowledgeable thing is hidden in Christ. Christ has them all. Everything you need to know to be wise, everything you need to know to please God, found in Christ. He is the source. Verse 9, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So not only is he fully God, but he says you are filled. He fills you if you are in him. So what he is saying in all of these references is that Jesus is the source of every good thing and he is the head. He is over us. So you've got those two uses or two ideas of the word head. One is about being over, preeminent, and one is about being the source. Okay, giving good things to us. So the idea here is God is that way, Jesus is that way to all creation. But he is even more specifically our head as Christians because we have submitted to him and follow him. We are filled in him. We seek those treasures of wisdom and knowledge in him. So when we get back to verse 19, when Paul says they're not holding fast to the head, that's a strong rebuke. It's a rebuke that says you've taken all these good things from Jesus and then you turn your back on them and say, I don't need him. I've got my own sensuous mind, my own thoughts that are superior to his. So verse 19, not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. So he talks now about how the body should operate. The body holds fast to the head. There is a bond and commitment there that we cling to him, there is loyalty, we follow him, we listen to him. 
And the point he is making is that life flows from him. Don't get mixed up on the biology of this. We're not talking about the head versus the heart and doing all of that. He is saying that everything flows out of Jesus into his people. He is the source. He gives us life as a church. He gives us life as individuals. And the nourishment and the knitting together that flows from Jesus produces growth throughout the body. Everybody grows as they're connected to Jesus. So I want us to take a step back because I think some of this is familiar territory to us. But there is something here that I think we might miss. If you compare this picture of the body, where Jesus is the head and through him life flows to all the body, and you compare it to the picture Jesus uses of the vine and the branches. Do you remember that one? Okay, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever does not bear good fruit, that branch is is cut off and cast out and thrown in the fire. Okay, so the idea is, in the vine and the branches, it's really about individual connection to Jesus. You know, are you a branch that's connected to the vine? Am I connected to the vine? This is a different image. It is not about individual connection. One of, each one of us individually connected to Jesus. It is about us connected together and together connected to Jesus. This image is that we are connected to Jesus through each other. And that's different. That is to say, we help each other connect to Jesus. We as a group make those connections stronger between one another and between us and Jesus. So let me say it this way. We don't connect to Jesus through each other as if we can't connect to Jesus on our own, but we do connect to Jesus with each other. We do it together. We are a group together. And it also means that sometimes the nourishment that comes from Jesus, the life that comes from Jesus flows to us through his body. That is, we are made stronger by one another and connected stronger to Jesus by one another. So, are you ready to talk about joints and ligaments? Joints and ligaments, then, I believe are the connections between Christians that when they are strong, allow for the flowing of life from Jesus to one another. And those joints and ligaments, just like in a body, You know, we have all these parts, but they have to be connected together for them to work together. And in the same way, joints and ligaments are those connections, those relationships that have to be strong in order for the power and knowledge of Jesus to flow through us to one another and for us to be able to work together. So that leads me to say four things that I want to leave you with as we think about what joints and ligaments are. The first is this. We need to build connections between ourselves to develop joints and ligaments, connections with one another. We need joints and ligaments to be strong. We need to be closely connected. So let's just say it this way. That means that a large part of our service to Jesus is going to involve getting to know other Christians and trying to develop positive spiritual interactions with them, encouraging relationships through which the power of God can flow. We're going to need to work to connect to one another. We're going to need to build connections. Now, practically speaking, you know what that means? Practically, that means social time spent together. That's what happened in Jerusalem, where it says they attended the temple daily, and they broke bread from house to house. They were together. They were all together, it says in Acts 2.44. They wanted to be together and spend time together. It's also the reason the Hebrew writer says exhort one another daily while it's called today 
lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, that we need to be able to be in each other's lives enough to actually exhort one another and spend time together. That's the practical part. The goal of those interactions, the goal of the connections, is not to say, you know, I really need some new friends. So I guess you guys will do. It is instead, we develop bonds to help one another be better and to help ourselves be better. And that will require an investment of time and effort. We're going to have to work at this. It is not something that's just going to naturally happen. Now, one of the obstacles to the building connections in modern times is that there is a, a view that's very prevalent in our religious world, and I think it rubs off on us. That is that, that spiritual life, particularly going to church and being a member of a church, is about getting stuff. That I'm here, and I, I want to know, in fact, a lot of people will do this when they talk about church. They want to say, well, what do you offer? I want to know what you guys give me that's special and unique, almost like we're a business, we have some special thing that we're offering, pick us over somebody else. And so when we have that idea of, of what am I getting, what am I getting, it's not really an attitude that lends itself to investment. What can I give? How can I build? How can I work? How can I make you better? How can I think about you? It is instead the opposite idea, and that becomes an impairment to building connections. Unless I really want to build connections, I'm probably not going to because I'm not sure that the, I see the benefit of it. And then, you know what happens. I mean, we all know each other. When we get to know each other a little better, well, we come across some, some traits that are not so great. You know, we all have our idiosyncrasies and our foibles, and we, we look at those things. We say, I don't know that this is worth it. And so we back off and we say, oh, I don't know if I want to build connections with that person or with that person. Some people, they don't want to spend too much time talking, getting to know people, being around Christians. They may show up for the sermon. It's like, thank you. And, you know, these days we don't even have to show up for the sermon, right? You just look online, watch it. Don't have to deal with people at all. The problem is, that when we have that attitude, we miss out on having people in our lives that are close enough for us to turn to when we have a problem. Close enough for us to listen to when they have something maybe even more challenging to say to us. Having people close enough for us to bless them with our own service. Where we could say, oh, I know that there's an issue here. Let me do something to help you. And I want to say these connections, these joints and ligaments are going to be tested. You know, whatever level there are. If we're talking about nationally, sometimes our, our, our glue as a nation is going to be tested. Or if we're talking about a congregation, if there's some kind of crisis in the church, those bonds are going to be tested. And even in our personal lives, you know, we're going to have times where even those things are going to be tested. They're going to test our metal, and they're going to say, well, what, what connections do you have? And through those connections, how do you connect to Jesus? So I'll just say, this is my application. It seems natural to me, but I can understand if somebody else might not like it, might not agree. But to me, what follows from that is that we need to seek the company of our fellow disciples even above unbelievers. Seek out one another. Now, these should be our best friends. Not because we all share the same hobbies, root for the same team, but because we share a priority set that's deeper than any other group of people we know. And so we're able to overlook some of those physical differences in pursuit of the spiritual connection. So let me give you some practical tips here on building connections. Uh, spend some time talking with other Christians after services. 
Don't just run off. Reach out to other Christians during the week. You know, we have a gift that other people in ancient times did not have. If they were going to see each other, they had to physically be together. We don't have that. We don't have that requirement. We can check on each other and get to know each other and communicate with each other throughout the week. And really, we can keep tabs on each other in a much better way if we choose to. Ask for advice from other Christians. There's, to me, it is such a powerful thing. We lower ourselves before someone and we say, can you give me some of your wisdom and help me? And we open ourselves up. It is a way to build connections. It is a way to invite others into our issues. Here are my problems, and I am weak in this. I am humble about this. I need your help. And so we build connections. When we have social events, come to them. When we have spiritual events like a Bible workshop, come to them. When you are here, be present. Share what's really going on with you. Seek people to emulate. So people you look up to and then seek people who are behind you that you're going to help move along and guide in their development. Build connections. Build joints and ligaments as we let the power and knowledge of Jesus flow through us to others. The second thing I want to say is if we are joints and ligaments and our relationships are joints and ligaments, then we need to add spiritual content to our interactions. It's not enough for us to get close to one another. We also need that closeness to be about spiritual things. So, stop me when this sounds familiar. We say the last amen. We're milling around. And we say something like this. Have you ever had this conversation? How are you doing? Great. How are you? Fine. Good to see you. Boy, that's pretty deep, isn't it? Really going places with that one. Stop me when this sounds familiar. Well, what do you think about the Razorbacks? <laughs> How about this weather, huh? Superficial interactions don't produce deep, meaningful relationships. What we're seeking is something deeper, right? More meaningful. We don't need Christians to have small talk. We can do that with anyone. But deep, meaningful interactions are going to come when we add spiritual content to them. So let me remind you, when Paul talks to the Ephesian elders, do you remember what he talks about? How he preached to them the whole counsel of God? How there's dangers on the horizon for them? You watch out for the wolves? Hey, remember what Jesus said. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Remember the weak. Remember my example. All of it is spiritual in its outlook. When Paul writes his brethren, yes, sometimes he tells, hey, I'm in jail still. You know, hey, there's some stuff going on. But usually he is saying, I'm praying for you. Here's what I'm concerned about for you. Here's what you need to be doing. When Jesus talks to his disciples, how often is it about the trivial? Almost always Jesus is focused on the spiritual and trying to deepen his disciples in their thinking. When Barnabas goes and talks to the Christians at Antioch, it says he encouraged them all with purpose of heart to continue serving the Lord. There was spiritual content. The church was never intended to merely be a social club where we get together and chit-chat. It was always intended to be a group of people through whom Jesus can minister to others. So we need connections that are going to be deep. So I encourage you, add spiritual content to your interactions. Now that may feel weird at first. It's a little bit of an acquired skill. You have to learn how it's going to sound for these words to come out of your mouth. You know how they sound coming out of my mouth because I talk to you every week. But how are they going to sound coming out of your mouth? 
to talk about these things casually, to talk about these things with your brothers and sisters. So let's just break that down a little bit. When your brothers ask you how you're doing, share how you're doing. Now, I'm not saying make a big problem when there's not a big problem or always act like there's some kind of drama. But I am saying, if you have an issue, these are the people you can talk to. There are people who are interested in you, and there are people who are curious about spiritual needs you might have. What can I pray for you? What can I pray for about you this week? What's on your mind lately? How are things going spiritually for you? You know, when people ask us how things are going, we just assume it's, it's physical and trivial, but we want to know how things really are going. That's something that we're going to talk about with our group because we want to build real connections. I find it's really good. I, I love doing this to combine spiritual things and positivity. And say things like this. You know, I really am enjoying Drew's Bible class. You know, I'm really impressed at what I'm seeing in Will Castleberry, how he's growing. Boy, I sure do love these elders. I love the guidance that they give. I love their leadership. To be positive is a good thing. And we don't, we shouldn't be gossiping and saying negative things, but boy, it sure is great to spread some good gossip where we say there are some things I'm seeing. You may not see them, but you need to know this is going on and it's good. And you know, when we have those conversations, everybody feels better. There's a connection that's made and somewhere... Drew Parsons, if he ever hears about it, is going to feel better. Somewhere Will, I know he's in the back, is going to, you know, there's a positivity that can spread and our connections build and get stronger. So we can also ask questions to add spiritual content. I already mentioned, can I ask your advice? It's a great question. Because usually when we're asking advice, it's hopefully not just about, you know, should I buy this or not buy this? Something bigger. Have you ever had a problem with blank? Whatever it is we're going through, we can drop it in the blank. What do you think this passage means? Hey, have you ever noticed this about joints and ligaments? What do you think that's about? And suddenly we're having a spiritual conversation with one another. Would you like to start reading the Bible with me? I've never studied through Ezra. Would you study with me? Suddenly there are connections that are stronger because they have spiritual content to them. The third thing is that if we're going to be joints and ligaments and those relationships are going to be stronger, we need to cause and encourage growth. Look again at verse 19 with me. In verse 19 it says, Not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If I want to build strong joints and ligaments, I can cause and encourage growth. That means I'm going to work to connect people, you, more strongly to Jesus. That's my work, to cause you to grow and to encourage you as you grow. Lots of ways this can happen. I think about Paul. One of the things Paul did, and he did this very well, Paul encouraged growth by seeing particularly young men and inviting them to do the work with him. So, I mean, just think of the list. You got John Mark, you got Silas, you got Titus, you got Timothy. There are others that he mentions in passing that are co-workers or fellow workers. But Paul seems to take a special interest and say, 
Timothy, oh, here's a young man. He's doing really well. Why don't you come preach with me? And do you know what happens if you're Timothy? Well, for one, you got a choice to make, right? Am I going to go or am I going to stay? But for two, you say, you know, if anybody sees this potential in me and Paul says it, wow. Suddenly, you know, you're, you think I could do that? You're encouraged just by the offer. And it seems to me that very often we see things and potential in one another that, that we don't see in ourselves. To say to someone, you know, I really think you could be a deacon very soon. I really think you could teach this Bible class. Or I really think you could be a mentor to some of these young people. I really think there's good you could be doing. And and to encourage growth by giving people opportunities and commenting on their potential. Sometimes causing and encourage growth is about seeing others and saying, you know, maybe they just need a little encouragement, a little push. Hey, you could be doing this. Don't you think it would be helpful if this happened? And suddenly we're, we're challenging others to connect more strongly to Jesus. And especially, I think that we could be studying together in deeper and more frequent ways. To have little groups, boy, it would be such an encouragement to all of us, wouldn't it? If you started hearing about, you know, you got this little group, they're meeting over here, they're meeting here. Hey, we have this text group that we're texting and talking about this. And suddenly, you see, we're just trying to get closer to Jesus. But the other part of this is when we see growth, we can encourage it. We can praise other people. We can give good gossip. We can go to their Bible classes and talk them up. We can support. We can be positive. And it can be a tremendous encouragement when we call attention to someone's growth. Now, can I say something about this? Sometimes what we think it means to encourage somebody to grow is that we go and chew them out about what they're not doing. And we say, you know, you got a lot of problems here, and I really think you need to step it up. The problem is, very often, we try to have that conversation without any real relationship. You know, we we miss the first part. And instead, we want to jump in here and say, all right, let's have a a real strong talk. And then we're surprised that it doesn't go so well, that maybe they're discouraged or maybe, you know, we feel like they were blowing us off because they probably were. Okay, if we're going to challenge someone, that has to rest on a foundation that shows that we really care about them, that we really know them, and that we're not just trying to boss them around. Helping others grow is at least partially contingent on having a relationship with them. The last thing I want to say, is that we can involve others in the work. Look again in verse 19. Not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. The goal is that we grow together, but the goal is also that we work together. That's what the body is intended to do. The body has work to do. And uh, Paul emphasizes this kind of a parallel passage, Ephesians 4. He talks about to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And then in verse 16, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, the idea is not just that we grow. It's not the idea that the body just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's that the body starts working. Okay? And as it does its work, it grows and gets stronger so it can do its work better and better and better. The goal is growth. So we don't just grow together. We work together. We work. 
to teach the gospel to the lost, and to teach the gospel to one another. We work to serve one another and to serve the broader community. We work to raise our children up in the nurture and instruction of the Lord. And we work together to do that. We work to discipline ourselves, to grow to maturity, developing self-control. So we do that work individually in our own lives, but we also do it congregationally. We help each other. We work together. And we can involve one another. Sometimes that means we, we ask others for advice and for help, like we've talked about. Sometimes that means we ask one another to participate with us. Hey, will you go with me? i got to go visit somebody. Hey, will you go with me? I'm going to go teach someone, or I'm going to go knock doors for, to try to find someone who's interested. Will you go with me? We can ask for prayers. I'm trying something new. Can you help me? I'm trying to challenge something that I've been struggling with. Will you work with me about it? But the idea that we have joints and ligaments that connect us emphasizes that we do not do our work on our own. This is not about everybody's doing their own thing and then we all get together once or twice a week. It's instead that we all work together at all times and we strengthen one another in that. So build connections, add spiritual content to your interactions, cause and encourage growth, involve others in the works. We need strong connections with each other, joints and ligaments through which the growth can flow from Jesus. And I want to encourage this group. This is a friendly group. This is a kind and warm group, and I am thankful for that. But we always need to be working to strengthen those connections. We always need to be closer to each other. That is not only something that's good for us, that is a way that the Lord can work in us and through us. So let's think about, and I encourage you to think about, how you can reach out, how you can deepen, how you can encourage, how you can involve others. Think about those things. I appreciate your attention. We'll be dismissed for our classes.